Welcome to the Blockdown Podcast, brought to you by EOK Digital, the number one blockchain PR and communications agency. Every week, we're sharing pearls of wisdom about the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency. Don't forget to subscribe and review our podcast so we can bring you even more great content. Chris, thanks so much for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad to see that you're doing well. And I want to start off by saying thank you to everyone here at Blockdown 2020. I think it's a very festive time to be talking about a really exciting industry. And I'm just uh, so thankful and, and you know, kind of echoing what Sergey had mentioned beforehand. You know, I think it's just such a privilege to be here with you all and be in this wonderful space where things are probably moving faster than any of us can comprehend. So I want to go ahead and jump straight to the point here. I'm going to be talking today a little bit about not only decentralized finance abroad as I've been following the industry before there really was a title for it back in 2017. I've been intimately passionate of finance over the last seven to eight years of my life. And I want to spend some time here today to talk about what I'm actually building at the moment to help scale out not only just cryptocurrencies, but even more specifically decentralized finance and the emerging opportunities that are coming from it. So next slide. So to start off here, just for those who may not know me, as, as Chris had mentioned before, I'm the founder and uh, creator of Datadash, uh, one of the largest YouTube channels for cryptocurrencies. I've had not only the privilege to create content over the last few years and have over, I think right now, around 350,000, 360,000 people from across the globe who tune into the channel and watch some of my content on a daily basis. But along with that as well, I've had the privilege of getting to meet other YouTube and content creators in the space. I've gotten to review over around 25 to 300 different projects from cryptocurrencies to platforms and exchanges and wallets. So I've really gotten to get a good perspective. And I think this is something that I've, I've benefited from more than anything being a YouTuber in the space, getting to see what projects and companies do right and what companies and projects do wrong that ends up not working. And also getting to kind of get through the noise as I'm reviewing different projects and really making use of my time. So I basically found out over the last few years that finance is the killer focus point for crypto. And what was nice is coming from a background of finance, I could see where blockchain and crypto could really benefit uh, these types of industries, which again are talking about trillions of dollars of wealth uh, in this case. So again, probably the best industry uh, to remove inefficiencies and to improve the experience and opportunities for people abroad in the world. Next slide. So I want to go ahead and start with a little bit of a thought experiment here. You know, a lot of the time, you know, we're, we're constantly just thinking very big picture in crypto and we're talking about the next big thing. But I want to start off with a bit of a thought experiment here with two very different individuals who live in very different cultures and backgrounds. On the left-hand side of the screen, I have an average white-collar worker, maybe in California, someone who's working at a tech job or some kind of office job. Uh, they're working nine to five and living in a developed country like the United States. Whereas we have someone on the right-hand side who is a female Thai farmer, and she's living not only in a very different vast country from across the globe, but also she's working what would be equivalent to maybe uh, agricultural blue-collar work in this case, something that's usually more manual labor, and along with that as well is usually dealing with a lower income and a completely different culture and background again, just keeping that in mind. But as much as these two individuals live very, very different lives and standard of living for certain, there's one thing that's transparent between both of these individuals that they actually share. Next slide. 
and that is that both of them are being left behind in regards to the traditional form of finance, just in different ways and to different degrees. And this is the thing that I think we can all rally around, that we all share the, um, you know, the common uh, symptoms of inefficiencies from the financial system. The problems that persist in the world of finance tend to hit us at one point or another. And there's really three key points on both ends that harm both individuals. Uh, two slides ahead, please. So let's go ahead here and talk about the first individual, because both of these individuals experience three different forms of issues. On the next three slides, please. So the first problem here is that finance is fragmented and confusing. So many of you out there who are probably investing in cryptocurrencies or maybe investing in stocks, you have a bank account, you probably have an app where you send cash to family or friends locally, and you might have a remittance application, you might have your tax platform, your accounting platform, whatever it may be. You're going to be ending up using about a dozen different applications across the board when you're managing your personal finances. And this is a really hot mess in this case for people to deal with. No wonder right now people around my age, you know, in their 20s and 30s, are having some of the lowest levels of financial literacy or managing their personal finances that we've ever seen in history. And it's because it's so complex. You have to go through multiple KYC onboarding processes. And along with that as well, even if you for example, land all the applications for all your needs, you may figure out that one application is not the right one for you and you have to go to another one. Second off here, banks are paying nearly 0% interest on savings accounts. And this is a major issue. It's the largest issue for everyday people in America as the average savings rate is 0.05% nationally. And last but not least as well, we have to talk about the concern of money being extremely expensive to move and also slow in order to actually settle and transfer. So these three problems are the biggest problems for mostly developed economies. And if we can fix even just one of these issues, if not all three, we could remove a ton of inefficiencies and save billions upon billions of dollars for these individuals just in developed economies alone. Next slide, please. So the next individual is the Thai farmer here. So we have three key issues here that we can hit on. The first one here is a lack of access to banking services. So we take it for granted. We can go down to a variety of select few conglomerate banks that dominate most Western markets, and we can at least set up a bank account and have digital dollars and put away our money in some kind of safe format than just simply having it in cash. But the problem is, is that in areas like Thailand or in the Philippines or areas such as in Latin America, a variety of different countries across the globe, there are well over two and a half billion people who are either uh, unbanked in this case or underbanked. So they don't even have access to bank basic financial services. And even if they do fit into the category that do have access to banking services and don't incur the first problem, they're going to run into other issues. They're going to run into the issue of not being able to get access either to credit or credit at a decent interest rate that isn't predatory. Sometimes interest rates can go as high as 25, 50, even 100% for loans or more. It depends on the area that you're talking about. And this is crippling for people. It basically cuts them out of being able to get any form of credit that makes sense for whatever business they're utilizing that capital for or for pursuing a higher education. And last but not least, the most crippling factor of all of these, if all of these weren't bad enough, is dealing with currency devaluation. We've seen over the last few years the phenomena of dollarization where the world has become interdependent, especially emerging economies have become interdependent on the dollar for a safety net to store their wealth. So we have these six problems here that we're dealing with, and they're split up between these two different parties. Next slide, please. 
So if we take this into account, we not only have a lot of problems to deal with, these are very big, difficult challenges to overcome. But again, if we can focus on just these six issues over the next decade, if we can resolve even a portion of these, we could create a ton of value for the world. And I truly believe that decentralized finance is the movement and the tool to be able to do this. And we've already had a lot of applications that are open, permissionless, and fix some of these issues. But the problem is there's no single encompassing solution that fixes all of these problems and makes it so that everyone across the world can easily access this from a mobile phone device, which is the best format to do so. And that's why we've been working on something we call Digifox. Next slide, please. So what is Digifox at the end of the day? Well, it's a startup that I've self-founded. It's a all-in-one financial application that you can access on your Apple or Android device that allows you to manage all of your financial services in one application. Now, we're not 100% of the way there. There's some features we'd like to get into the app, but right now within Digifox, you're able to earn up to 10% interest on your savings. You're able to swap into a variety of different assets through decentralized exchanges. And along with that as well, you can send and receive payments from across the globe as well as on on ramp into your wallet so you can top up your account and step into the world of DeFi. We have so many other types of features coming through, but I wanted to spend some time today to talk about Digifox as an application and how we think about scaling DeFi or decentralized finance as a movement to the global economy. Next slide. So the first point here that we need to focus on is dramatically simplifying user experience. And I got to say, I, I don't want to speak badly about the broader crypto space, but I think this is somewhere where we've really failed over the last few years. When the standard to set up a cryptocurrency wallet or to interact with some form of protocol through your web browser is A, done through your browser predominantly, but along with that requires writing down complex recovery phrases or dealing with poor general user experience and design on wallets or platforms, it's no wonder why over the last 10 years we have less than 1% global adoption. Next slide, please. So in this case, we have to go about first cutting out the noise. And this is fixing the broader issue in crypto. Not only have we built a dramatically simplified user experience for the Digifox wallet, but we're aiming to build a conceptual wallet in this case that focuses on pulling from all of the financial needs that you could ever have. You can click the next few slides, please. So in this case, you have a variety of things, such as commercial banks, you'll have remittances companies, payment and merchant solutions, and along with that as well, a ton of miscellaneous applications, such as your Coinbase or cryptocurrency platform account, your tax management tools, and also other accounting and budgeting tools that you might have. All of these elements of finance are fragmented right now. None of them provide every single need for the vast majority of individuals. And that's why we need to build something that replaces the need for all of these applications. It's a big task, but it's something that we can format into an app, so long as we build an experience that's custom tailored to what the user needs. And that's the long-term vision of Digifox as a company. As more and more DeFi applications consume the businesses of these products and services, we're aiming to aggregate them into one seamless experience for the end user that can hopefully scale to hundreds of millions, if not billions of people across the globe. Next slide. 
So second off here is that we have to be the opposite of a bank. Now, this is a, 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 pro, a probably a very broad statement here. I think everyone in crypto generally has a negative sentiment over banks. But what does it mean to be the opposite of a bank? It has to do with shifting the business model, whereas banks usually thrive off a lack of competition, or at least they have over the last few years, building a platform for open competition and not just building services ourselves, but bringing in the best services from across the globe. Next slide, please. So let's go ahead and talk about how Digifox changes the model from traditional banks. If you can, make the next few slides come, please. Thank you. So basically, for this right here, we have a very important thing to keep in mind. Over the last few decades since the 1980s, we've seen a reduction to less than one-third of the amount of banks that used to exist in the United States, the amount of commercial bank branches, from 22,000 banks paying an average savings account rate of 7%, to under 6,000 banks that are paying less in this case than actually the interest rate we have on the presentation. It's now gone from 0.07% to 0.05% nationally. Absolutely crazy, practically 0%. Well, the reason why is because banks have stifled competition here. And due to economics in regards to the federal funds rate and the lack of competition, we've seen interest rates go down to nearly nothing, practically 0%. And now we have an opportunity to do something very different. Whereas banks have stifled competition, Digifox is aiming to build a single conduit, one singular platform that people can rely on to get all of the opportunities that provide a safe, secure place for their assets, but that also put them to work to be able to earn a yield. And the great thing about this is that whether you're chasing yield, whether you care about security or as many people point out, they care most about decentralization, which is what DeFi is all about. You can choose from those options. In Digifox right now, we allow you to choose from the Compound Protocol, to choose from Celsius, and we hope to add more and more. Think of it like an aggregation platform like LendingTree that usually offers mortgages at competitive rates. In this case, we're doing the same exact thing for savings within the DeFi ecosystem, making it incredibly simple for anyone to get started. Next slide, please. So what does this allow us to do? Well, it allows us to completely change the game on savings. We are allowed to offer savings account rates through our partners that are legally compliant, that have proper custodial practices, or are completely decentralized. And we are able to provide much higher interest rates than what people are used to. Now, this is really due to two things here. It's due not only to the fact that banks, for example, on an average basis are walking away with profit margins of 15, 20, 25% while they pay you nothing. So there's a very big margin in the middle that can be squeezed with DeFi that offers lower borrowing rates and higher rates to depositors, which is really exciting. But outside of this as well, we also have the phenomena where in the cryptocurrency space, a lot of the borrowing demand is coming from exchanges and businesses that need to get access to that instant credit that aren't able to borrow from the traditional lending institutions throughout the United States or other countries abroad. So it builds this awesome market where there's a lot of borrowing demand that's willing to pay a high yield. And there's a lot of people as well who can lend out their crypto. And the important thing to note is that to the vast majority of these platforms, practically all of them nowadays, they're over collateralized, meaning that anytime an exchange borrows, say, $10,000 of USDC or like a stable coin or maybe $10,000 to their bank account, they're providing $20,000 at a minimum of Bitcoin, Ethereum, or other forms of mixtures of collateral in this case. So twice as much at a bare minimum of collateral for whatever they're borrowing. Next slide, please. So again, talking about being everything that's opposite of a bank, we need to talk about open access here. 
First off, above all, Digifox is open for anyone to use. It is a, at its core, a, a smart wallet on the Ethereum blockchain. What does that mean? A smart contract wallet or a smart wallet is a smart contract deployed on-chain to Ethereum that allows you to manage your funds in a self-custodial way. So Digifox, any third parties do not have access to your keys or your crypto, and they allow you to have autonomous control of your crypto while at the same time using the same format of account management that you're used to, such as two-factor authentication, which is utilizing your mobile phone and email to actually recover and access your account. So again, it's completely controlled by you as an individual. Along with that as well, we also have dollars for everyone. Whereas banks have stifled uh, the limitation through uh, stifling limitations in this case have prevented a lot of people from across the world from properly hedging themselves or getting access to banking services. We not only offer a replacement for a need of a bank, but along with that, we allow for anyone to get exposure to any currency they want. That means hopefully Ethereum, hopefully Bitcoin in the future, but also in this case, USDC, the ability to have the world reserve currency anywhere across the globe. And that's extremely exciting in the sense of potential for end users to be able to save their wealth from that the massive depreciation of hyperinflation and currency crises. Next slide. And the last part here is credit at your fingertips. So this is something that I'm very, very excited about. As we continue to see the lending space in DeFi continue to amplify instant access to uh, on-chain liquidity, this is a very interesting phenomena that's going to continue to expand and improve the lives of many people across the globe. And we ourselves are not only exploring this, but we're also looking to partner with many other projects out there on the market that are looking to experiment with under-collateralized loans. So being able to actually get a loan with lower amounts of collateral, being able to input data and uh, basically put in uh, certain types of information about yourself as an individual to be able to receive credit on demand, which is really, really exciting. Whereas many of you who have probably gone through the process of borrowing before might know that it can be quite complex with a bank. Next slide, please. And the last part here is building frictionless payments, a global payments network that's not just focused on peer-to-peer -peer payments or being able to send wire transfers or receive your income, something that encompasses everything you've come to know about, even merchant payments. Next slide. So what we want to do here is build a frictionless payment network. We want to provide free transactions with layer two scaling solutions that we're currently looking into. We're hoping by early 2021 that we'll be able to offer a global payments network that will not only be able to settle transactions instantly, but along with that as well, settle them hopefully for free, if not allow for a couple free transactions every day and a minimal cost after that to continue sending transactions. And this doesn't mean if you're just paying a friend or family member, it can mean someone across the globe, being able to send money from here in the US where I am to Tokyo, Japan in less than a couple of seconds and paying little to no fee, if anything at all. Second off is having a truly global system. So again, not discounting anyone out of this, uh, allowing for the vast majority of major countries across the globe, developing and also developed regions to be able to access this, being able to self-custody your USDC or other cryptocurrencies, and being able to also have the off-ramps to liquidate them into your local currencies or to be able to spend them in some shape or format. And last but not least as well in the list here is fast settlement. Again, focusing on that near instant, if not two to three second confirmation where you can send money across the globe. No more three to five day waiting times. No more waiting three to five days to clear your funds on payment apps like Venmo unless you want to pay the one or 2% fee. We want to, in this case, give you the ability to be able to settle capital instantly. 
And that's what we're going to have to do if we want to scale DeFi to the masses, is to build a global payments network that also provides all the features and functionality that you would expect with your bank. Next slide. So uh, in this case, we re recently did an equity crowdfunding. We decided to, rather than go towards the route of venture capital, like a lot of crypto startups, we wanted to be community owned. So I self-funded the pre-seed stage myself. I took a lot of the money that I'd made over doing content over the last few years, saving up my money, and invested it in the pre-seed stage of Digifox. And then I knew that we needed to raise capital, so we raised from the community. This slide is actually a little bit old. We actually closed the round recently and have uh, confirmed over $680,000 of investments from people all across the globe, small and large. We wanted to allow everyone to participate. And the great thing about this is that you didn't have to be accredited. You could invest as little as $100 in the project. And we had dozens upon dozens of people doing that. And it was so awesome to see us being able to pull from the community to make Digifox even more of a reality as we've added more features over the last few months since we launched back in June. So all in all, everyone here on the last slide, I just want to start off by saying thank you all for allowing me to be here. It's been an absolute privilege. It's been a privilege to be a part of this cryptocurrency space over the last few years. And ever since I really get started in the space back in 2016 and 2017, I've really seen the space grow. But I have to say, I've never been more excited for cryptocurrencies as I have been, as I've started to see the growth in DeFi. And to those who are building Oracle solutions, those of you who are building uh, the protocols to lend your capital and borrow capital, to those who are building the Uniswaps and the DEXs and automated market makers of the world that are making all of this possible, I want to take the time to thank you all. I think this is a really awesome shared movement, and I think we've got a real chance to shake up the world of finance for the better. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Blockdown podcast. To connect with us on social media, buy tickets for the next Blockdown event, or find out more about EAK Digital, head to the show notes for further information and links to everything. See you next week.